You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right. The UFC returns to the Apex tomorrow night for UFC Vegas 38, a fun main event in the light heavyweight division. A lot of fighters looking to get back in the win column even back in the octagon in some cases and looking to take their next steps forward in their respective careers. And really a little bit of everything storyline wise, as we welcome you to the UFC Vegas 38 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Kack. We got the full tripod intact today as I'm joined by Jose Youngs and Alexander Kaylee and Jose. We're coming off a very exciting UFC 266 event that left us with a lot to talk about. And oftentimes we look at the following week's fight night card, and it's kind of like, eh, the pay-per-view hangover effect yeah. kind of lingers on. But I don't know, man. This one in particular, it feels to me like it's a nice little follow-up to 266. Do you agree with that? Do you have that same sort of sentiment? Yeah, it's not the sexiest main event in terms of, like, title implications or, like, top five. Like, I don't even think John, like Johnny Walker and Tago Santos is a bananas fight. And I think anyone that loves violence is all about this fight. But if last time I checked, Johnny Walker is not even ranked in our global MMA rankings. Correct. I don't uh, know. No, he fell out. Yeah. I don't think he's top 15, obviously, because for everyone that's complaining in our Instagram comments that we quote unquote, <laughs> get the rankings wrong. We use MMA fighting's global rankings, which is all of Bellator <laughs> UFC one. Pretty much. If you are a fist professional fist fighter, you are eligible for the rankings. But so Johnny Walker is not in our, global MMA ranking. So obviously this isn't uh title implications. So, but it's an awesome, fun main event. I'm glad it's five rounds, uh, but it's not the TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sennhagen main event where like the winner of that was probably going to get a title shot. It was a high level martial arts competition against arguably the two best Bantamweights in the world, but top to bottom, I don't hate this card. I think it's a really fun card. It's not, again, it's not the sexiest main event, but if you're going to, if you're, if you're looking for, Something to do Saturday. Say you don't want to go out in the middle of a, a you know a global pandemic. You want to have a nice night in watching fist fighting and watch people bleed all over each other inside a tiny octagon. I would suggest tuning in from the first fight on. I like this fight card, top to bottom. I mean, with that description, how can you not watch tomorrow? I mean, so <laughs> much, so much to unpack there. But AK, as as Jose said, the main event is Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker, and there aren't title implications, as he said, but especially in this division and how it's shaped and some of the upcoming matchups. But you do have two guys who need wins for totally different reasons. Like Santos has lost three straight, including the close, close fight to John Jones for the title. <laughs> then he gets stopped by Glover Teixeira, lost the decision to Alexander Rakic. 
Johnny Walker had lost two straight, but he came back with a big finish of Brian Spann, and people think he's a more mature fighter. He's coming into his own. He's looking to climb the rank. So one guy's kind of looking to keep his spot, and another guy is trying to advance his career and try to take said spot. So how do you like this one, at least in a headlining spot tomorrow night, how do you like the main event and the stakes attached to it? Yeah, I think this is a great main event. I, I, I've said it before, and, uh, and we've had to say it a lot more recently, you know, uh, ever since, you know, Fight Nights became this weekly thing, that, like, every, every card isn't going to have uh, title implications or even major rankings implications. I guess in this case, Johnny Walker, you know, would jump up, uh, at least in our rankings, up into the top 10 or into the top 15 uh, with a win over Tiago Santos. Santos might fall all the way out. I don't know. But, again, that stuff doesn't really matter. Like, this is a, this is one of those fights on paper is, like, would you, Tiago Santos is a great striker. John Walker is a very exciting striker. Would you like to see these two guys fight each other? Yeah, absolutely. Do they have the name value that they can be headlining a card? Sure, they do. Um, it, it's not, and um, it's not like it's not like a pay-per-view headliner. But this is this is what fight nights are for. And again, they shouldn't always have uh, you know everything to do with uh, who's good. Oh, does this mean they could get them closer to a title? It doesn't matter. Um, the stakes are high because yeah, Santos. I don't think he'd be in danger of being cut with a fourth straight loss. It helps one that their fight with uh, one of them was a title fight, and it was a close one. And he's been in the UFC forever, and he's entertaining. He's a company guy. So I think he'll be okay um, even if he drops this one to Walker. And Walker, again, probably one, two, at least two fights away uh, from fighting for a title. But again, that doesn't matter to him. This guy's here to get bonuses and uh, put on exciting fights. And yeah, look, if he if he eventually, if it eventually leads him to a fight with Jan Blahovic or whoever happens to be, you know, holding the title around that time, then uh, then all good for him. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun to see. It, it's fun to kind of see him keep developing, and um, it'll be it's it's always fun to watch Tiago Santos fights. So yeah, uh, I I hope um, as Jose said, if you're if you're a fight fan and you don't have any other plans for Saturday night, I would hope you would tune into this one. Jose, who do you think needs this one more? Because AK made it a pretty good point. Because Santos has lost three straight, but he's lost to like the 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 tippy top guys. The champ, the long reigning champion, who's no longer the champion, a guy who's about to fight for the title, and a guy who's probably a win away from fighting for the title. So he's fighting like the best of the best in this division. Now he's fighting Johnny Walker, trying to get back in the win column. And Johnny Walker has had some things to say, even about the champion, that he's doesn't have great skills. He's not really impressed by him. So he's putting a lot of things out into the universe that you're gonna have to sort of back up in a spot like that. So who do you think needs this one more tomorrow night? Uh, I don't think it's in, when when I say Johnny Walker needs this win more. I'm not saying it's for like rankings placement or title implications. It's what you said. It's to back back it up. He's I mean he's he's thrown a lot of shade at the champion. He better go out there and perform because if Johnny Walker loses, like he's coming off that really spectacular win and he's a really exciting guy. His English is very good uh, for a Brazilian. He's living. He's training with SBG. Uh, he, he's living in Ireland now, so he's always going to have that rub of training with John Cavanaugh and like the Conor McGregor ties to SBG right now. So I don't think anyone is in danger of getting cut. I actually think if Thiago loses, he will probably drop back down to middleweight because let's not forget, he went up to light heavyweight kind of as a last... He was a last-minute replacement for, I believe it was Glover, right? He went up to replace Glover against Jimmy Manoa, and then Jimmy Manoa ended up getting hurt, and he ended up fighting Eric Anders, and then he did so well that they ended up booking him against Eric and uh, I mean, uh, Jimmy Manoa, and then he just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. It was kind of like the Kelvin Gaslam thing. Dana White made him go up, and he just found so much success in middleweight that he just stayed there. But now Kelvin Gaslam's talking about going down to welterweight because he's on like this losing streak. I think if Thiago Santos loses, he could drop back down to middleweight. So I don't think he's in any danger of being cut. I just think Johnny Walker is not rankings or title implication-wise. He is in danger of having egg on his face. 
And I think that is, uh, in the eyes of the fans, maybe uh, worse for fighters sometimes. Do you agree, AK? But you're muted. You're muted. Yes, sorry, guys. Uh, I'm a little bit split up. <laughs> Like trying to figure out who this is, who this fight is is kind of more meaningful for. Uh, the Johnny Walker hype, you know, when it first came out, was so man, it was so strong. Again, he had the personality, a very memorable name, uh, and then he had the highlights, and people were really just fast tracking him to a title. So I, I don't know, and 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 then it kind of hurt him when he finally hit a wall and had a couple of losses, and um, the one with Krylov, he just looked so it was such a, a you know one sided defeat, and it was he really seemed to have a big hole in this game that I don't know if people jumped off, but I, I think there's still enough support there that he could take a loss um, to Tiago Santos, especially since Tiago Santos is a former world title challenger and, and is so good. And it wouldn't set him back too far, but I do understand um, this is in many ways also uh, an, an important must win fight for him. This is his first main event, I think, right? Okay, so so that in itself is a big deal. I mean, again, I know there's more main events to be had these days, so it doesn't quite mean what it used to, but it is does still say something about um, how the company values you. So it is it is a big position for him. Um, I'd still I still think uh, it's a little more important for Maheta for Tahago Santos, just because four straight losses is really tough to come back from, even if he is uh, going to drop down to 185, and and this whole uh, you know this whole light heavyweight excursion was um, just kind of a way to you know, he saw an opportunity, maybe get a quick title shot, and then go back down. But um, I don't know. I I I think he could stay at two five two. It's a tough weight cut. He's a big guy. I know he was making one eighty five for a long time, but um, so I'm leaning towards Santos needs it a little more, even though he has the name and the rep and you know a little uh, more uh, established reputation. And that four straight losses, that's that's tough to bounce back from. Right now, the betting lines, according to our friends over at DraftKings, Tiago Santos, the favorite at minus 145. The comeback on Johnny Walker is plus 125. Money has been coming in on the Johnny Walker side. So if you're one who plays the ponies, personally, I think it's definitely worth a look at that price on Johnny Walker, but it's lined pretty closely. So, Jose, time to put it out there. What is your official pick tomorrow night? Uh, I'm going to pick Johnny Walker. I just think uh, after watching his interview with Aaron Hawani, he is, I think, just clicking on another level mentally right now, like saying he wants to go to hell uh, because hell is where he is most comfortable. Tiago Santos will bring anyone to hell. Uh, I think, I don't know if Tiago Santos ever recovered from like major double knee surgery after his fight with John Jones because, yeah, that fight was close, but he did that fight entirely on two just ruptured tendon so i don't know if he's ever fully recovered and like you said he lost to some really high level fighters but they weren't overly competitive fights to glover to 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 ratchet and all these guys so it's not like he's just going out there and putting on these really competitive fights with the best of the best he's going out there and it's, they're not the greatest fights to watch so i i just think johnny walker is a psycho uh the i think the Krylov fight might have been an anomaly his fight against ryan span was bananas for as long as it lasted because he got hurt and then he came back recovered and then finished ryan span i just think johnny walker is a freak of nature i don't think he'll ever be champion but he's always going to put on exciting fights and right now in their careers i just think johnny walker a healthy johnny walker is more dangerous uh than tiago santos is on this 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 lackluster losing streak so i'm going to pick johnny walker but it is i'm hoping for fireworks that we built this fight up a lot, but I'm I have a feeling this might be 
a very one-sided performance in terms of violence. I think someone might get hurt and not recover because the other one, like, because like, like we talk about killer instinct a lot. These guys personify it. They hurt their opponents. They're not gonna, they're gonna empty the tank. They're in that Marlon Marais like category where if they smell blood, they're just putting the, the pedals in the metal. And I don't think either one is going to have recover quite like Marab did at UFC 266. So I think it's going to be a bananas fight for as long as it lasts. But I think one, I think Johnny Walker gets it done inside three. Yeah, no one co- recovers like Marab no. apparently because that was absolutely insane. AK, your thoughts on this? Because yeah, I would say the Rackage fight wasn't all that fun to watch. It was, it was, it just wasn't that competitive. The Jones fight was close. The Glover fight was super competitive because Santos had hurt Glover a couple of times in that fight and Glover showed his toughness, came back and got the finish himself. So what do you think the headline's going to read on MMAfighting.com when it's all said and done tomorrow night? Is it, uh, it going to be led with Tiago Santos or led with Johnny Walker? Tiago Santos wins five round thriller. Uh, I think it, I think it will be a competitive fight. I, I do think the guys will get hurt, but actually will have, uh, the ability to recover. So yeah, I'm leaning towards Santos. I just looked at it in like the most basic way. I'm like, this is a striking battle. I'm pretty sure Tiago Santos on paper is the better striker. I know this is MMA, you know, it's anything can happen. I think he's a better striker. So I think he wins a five round fight. The size difference does concern me a bit. Walker is taller, has very, really long reach. Uh, when I saw them face off, it kind of struck, like today, it kind of struck me. I was like, oh, right. He is like, Tiago Santos really is a middleweight um, who has been lampooning and, you know, has the musculature maybe to compete at light heavyweight, but certainly not the, uh, not the raw dimensions. So uh, that, that's the only thing that bothers me is if uh, Johnny Walker has, has really leveled up his game and, and can show that he can, you know, has this like crazy new effective jab or just his spacing his kicks perfectly, then it could be an issue and we could see uh, Tiago Santos get finished. But I think, uh, Tiago Santos is just so good on the feet. He knows how to mitigate those uh, yeah, those distance issues, and I think he will win. Uh, a, a, no, uh, convincing, an uncontroversial decision. Competitive fight, but not non-controversial. I'm I'm looking at this as if someone's like, Mike, here's 20 free bucks, but you got to put it on somebody. So in this case, I'll put it on the dog, Johnny Walker, for the value, but it's a tough one to call because – both guys are very powerful. Both guys have been stopped recently. This almost has more of a like a heavyweight fight feel to it in my eyes than a 205-pound fight or an 85-pound fight. So with that said, I'm going to go with Johnny Walker to get a finish inside of three rounds. But if it does go beyond that, if it gets to the latter half of round three and then gets into round four in round five, things are going to get pretty interesting. Uh, I think the... It more favors Santos because he's been there before, but I think Walker is on another level right now. I just I agree with Jose with the where he's at mentally, and I just think he's got some tricks up his sleeve, some some maturish tricks up his sleeve for for Santos, and I think he gets it done uh, sometime within the first 15 minutes of action. So, co-main event, Kevin Holland looks to get back on track. He's been working on his wrestling over at AKA with, with Johnny Hendricks, who's going to be in his corner tomorrow. He's taking on Kyle Dawkins, who is certainly going to put that all to the test for sure tomorrow night. So AK Holland has gone from back-to-back main events to start the year after a five and 0 2020 he had the losses to Vittori losses to Brunson steps out of the top 10 matchups, but faces a pretty tough up and comer in Kyle Dawkins, who has a little bit of that Dawkins family momentum coming off the brother's big win at UFC 266. Chris Dawkins is now getting ready to headline against Derek Lewis on December 18th. The UFC announced on Thursday. So 
we talk about this a lot. Like when fighters are ranked and they're coming off a couple of losses, Casey is like the biggest proponent of like getting him out of the rankings and putting him far back. I'm kind of like an in-betweener when it comes to that. But I feel like this is the appropriate type of matchmaking for both sides. Do you do you like this matchup for Holland coming off of the two losses? Yeah, I, re- I really like it. I, let's remember, he he wasn't supposed to be fighting Vittori, you know, in his, his most recent fight. That was that was stepping in for Darren Till. So so I don't know if they had plans for him to uh, what was he? Did he have his own booking that he moved out? I don't know. So I don't know if they had plans after the Brunson loss to maybe like scale it back a bit, give him someone at the edge of the top 15 or someone who outside the top 15. Um, so maybe maybe he wouldn't be fighting someone like Kyle Dawkins anyway. But this probably is the kind of matchup that should be ma- should have been made after the Brunson fight. As opposed to him saying, "Ah, screw it, I'm just gonna do another main event and jump in there with with uh, Marvin Vittori." So, so I like the matchmaking. Um, it's yes, it's a it's a bit of a uh, medium risk, medium reward fight for Holland. You know, you go from knocking out like Jacare to possibly, you know, to getting a win over a Kyle Dacus, who, with respect to him, is not as well known as a Jacare. And if he loses to Dacus, then he really is gonna fall out of the rankings. I think for most of us, probably right out of the top 15. Um, I believe he is still ranked in ours. Yeah, well, uh, 11 in the MMA fighting global rankings. So I do think a loss to Dawkins. I'm not sure if it bumps Dawkins into the top 15 or takes Holland out. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, this is kind of what you had to do with him because we keep forgetting that Holland, he's so active, but he's also, and he has so many fights in his record, but it's, it's happened so fast. You just don't know if he's had the time to develop properly. So uh, maybe these are the kind of guys he should have been fighting all along. Uh, not a lot of guys get a chance to step back and still stay in a high-profile fight. This is Saturday's co-main event. So it's it's really, again, nothing but good things for Holland um, unless he gets wrestled to death again. Then uh, then that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it's and Dacus is a guy that I've been following for a while, even before he's in the UFC. He's won a ton of fights for CFFC, making his name on the, the, the tri-state regional scene. Came into the UFC 9-0. He's in need of a win himself. 1-2 in his first three UFC fights. First one was a super short notice fight with Brendan Allen and he gave Brendan everything he could handle. And then he beat Dustin Stoltzfus. Then he lost a tough one to Phil Haas who was clicking on all cylinders in May. Interesting fight here, Jose Holland, a minus one sixty five favorite plus one forty five to come back on Dacus. Your thoughts on this co-main event. Uh, it's, it's, it's good matchmaking. Uh, I just, I was never on the hype train of Kevin Holland being like a legitimate title contender because like a lot of those fights that he's had, like who did he beat? I think if if he fights Jacare Souza ten times, I think that outcome, the knockout off his back, happens once. I think Jacare Souza probably ha- has a pretty not easy, but I would favor Jacare Souza in every fight. Not that Kevin Holland can't win because he obviously won in this non hypothetical matchup. We saw Jacare Souza get knocked out. But Kevin Holland has historically struggled with grapplers. And Kyle Dawkins is a grappler. Jacare Souza, <clears throat> excuse me, is the best of the best. So maybe Jock and also wasn't that a, a, lap, a last minute changeup for Jacare? That it wasn't didn't Kevin Holland like step in? So maybe he wasn't prepared there. I'm not trying to make excuses because he lost fair and square, but uh, and then he beat who did he beat before that? He it was another last minute changeup for Kevin Holland too. Then his opponent Her- like, Hermanson. Oh no, so it's supposed to fight Hermanson. He yeah. fought what happened? Hold on. No, who was the who was Kevin Holland's win before Jacare? Wasn't the one that oh, hurt his neck, and that was like a last oh, minute. Oh, And that Antiveros. was like was that yeah. like that was like a freak accident too? Like he took him down and like hurt his neck or something like that. And then before that, like he's had a couple other impressive wins. Like Buckley's not the biggest, uh, 
middleweight in the world. I think Kevin Holland is just better than him all around. I think Buckley got that hype train off of that crazy knockout, and then we saw what happened to Jericho. And I think AK and I both called that fight a trap fight for Joaquin Buckley because Leslie Jericho is very good, and I think they were trying to set up Buckley with another impressive win on Fight Island, and it just didn't play out. So I obviously favor Kevin Holland. He's faced tougher competition. He's had a lot of knockout wins. He's It's going to be a fun fight. Any three-round fight, I'm going to favor Kevin Holland because he has like – he has to what he's not I'm not saying he's the type of guy that will what is it save his cardio but he's has more t- less time meaning he can do more fun stuff in there and not have to worry about kind of wearing out near the end I just I don't know it's it's good matchmaking Kyle Dawkins is what eight submission wins it's nine of his like how many wins does he have total 11 12 he's 10 10 and 2 I believe. and of those eight of those 10 wins like all of them almost all of them are submission wins correct all yeah, yeah almost all of them before the ufc except for contender series i favor kevin holland i think this is proper matchmaking i think this is the type of the level of fighter that kevin holland should win uh and then he'll get another big test and probably come up short against another high level wrestler slap grappler but i could be completely wrong for all i know kevin holland's time training like he, i know he did some stuff uh, at AKA before, uh, like 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 Luke Rockhold and stuff, kind of jumped in and messed up all the middleweight things, and Edmund Shabazzian too. So if his wrestling is on point now, we could be seeing an entire new a world beater of Kevin Holland. I just like like AK said, I don't know if he's had enough time between fights to really, you know, add new tools to the arsenal. So I favor Kevin Holland, but I think this is the level of competition that he should be fighting at, at this point in his career. What's your pick, AK? Who you got, Holland or Dawkins? <clears throat> I am such a believer in Kevin Holland. I've been look. I, I, I'm I'm on both. I've been very critical of the trash talking. I've never loved the talking as much as other people did. Um, this is before. This is while he was winning, by the way. So if anyone's like, oh well, you, you weren't saying this, you know, when, when he was having success, I was like, no, I've never liked it. I was, <laughs> and that's that's just a personal thing. I I can't say if that affects his performances or not. That's that's neither here nor there. It, it probably it could be completely unrelated. Um. So I but I, but I, but I've kind of been on his bandwagon. I definitely was charmed with that big 2020 he had. The, again, the maybe probably once in 100 knockout against Jacare, it, it convinced me, and I and I I, just, I get this happens sometimes, guys, where I I get hooked on a prospect and I don't quite, if you want to call him a prospect, but I, I get hooked on a fighter and I can't quite. Sh- it takes me a while to shake it because I picked him to beat Brunson, I for I picked him to beat Vittori, I don't know why, and I'm picking him to beat Dacus, and I think he's gonna finish him. I'm gonna go. Uh, I think we'll see a first round. I, I I'm a believer that um like I, I was saying earlier. If he had taken some time after the Brunson fight, he really would have had substantial improvements in his takedown defense. I mean, that's just such a big thing, and 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 any other areas that a guy like him needs. So, I think taking that on three weeks was like the dumbest thing he could have done, and it was great that he got another main event and another paycheck. But I think this having actual time to train and develop is going to matter here. Holland first round knockout. This is a really tough one to call because. Holland is such an incredible athlete and he, and he's, you can tell he's really taken the wrestling holes very seriously. He's tried to address them. But the question that, that I have, especially in a sport like this is, can he make that big of a leap in five to six months? Yeah, perhaps, but the way I see it, Holland will be able to keep this standing for a bit. I think the takedown defense will be there. I think he's going to get a little confidence boost in that. He's probably going to win the first round on the feet. Second, I think it starts off more of the same, but Dacus is a very smart guy and he's very cerebral. He's eventually going to turn the tide. So I think he's going to find some success the latter half of the second round. 
And I think Kyle likely grinds out the third and wins that round too. So, or just that round in general. So I'm going to lean Holland to like squeak this one out. Like I think he wins eight minutes of the fight and then Kyle Dawkins wins the rest of it, like seven minutes and 30 seconds of the fight. Like it's going to be one of those type of situations, seven minutes, whatever. My math is horrible, but I, I think Holland squeaks it out. Maybe even a split decision type of thing where we're debating this one, but I think it's a really competitive fight. I really do. I think Dawkins stylistically is, can be a nightmare for Holland. It's very possible. I'll, I'll get the robbery review ready. I'll get the robbery review ready. <laughs> so those are two of the fights. Uh, we did have, unfortunately, some hiccups on the scale on a little bit earlier today. Mike did Breeden, we? Hmm. we had some. Mike Breeden took this fight on a little over a week's notice. I talked to him the other day. He knew the weight cut would be rough. He missed weight by a couple pounds. Betch Cahaya for what's expected to be her final fight against Carol Hosa. She misses weight. But the one everybody's talking about is Aspen Ladd, not just because she missed weight, but the way she looked on the scale. We don't know the full story. We don't know what's going on. But she sat in that cube for a bit. She was shaking. <sighs> it looked really horrifying to watch. And once again, her fight with Macy Chieson is once again off. This is pretty unbelievable, AK. Aspen Ladd, one of the bright up-and-comers at 135, just cannot get back in this octagon for multiple reasons. And here we are once again. So what, what, what is your reaction to all of this, the scale, the weigh-in, all of it? And now, once again, she's not going to be competing tomorrow. I don't know what you do with her because it's, you know, it's, it's an eyeball thing where it's feel, I feel like if I look at As Lynn Ladd and I say, this seems like someone who should make 135. But again, that's just judging on height and just, you know, surface, uh, what we see on the surface. I don't know. I don't know her. We don't know exactly what her body type is like and her diet and everything. So... I don't know. Maybe she can't. You know, maybe she can't. She's done it before, but this is the third time. I mean, there was the Leslie Smith incident where Leslie Smith didn't want to go through with the fight, so that fight just didn't happen. There was uh, Jermaine Durandamy where she made it, but this was kind of the first time that we saw Lad like really, really scary, shaky, just looking miserable uh, at the weigh-ins. That fight did go through, and she lost. And I am inclined to believe that um, her getting rocked in like 10 seconds was related to the difficult weight cut. Again, no way to say for sure. And and then um, and now we have we have today where uh, she was the last person to weigh in by far. I think I think uh, most almost everyone was done within the first hour. I want to say there might have been one or two stragglers. And then Aspen Ladd showed up maybe about um, quarter past quarter past the second hour. So uh, everyone I mean was kind of like had their eye on her weigh in, knowing her her previous issues. And then there's there's, there's the delay. So uh, it's. And she came in fully clothed. She came in wearing like sort of her sweats, obviously the clothes that she was wearing to try and, uh, you know, sweat, sweat the last of her pounds off. And then they knew she was going to miss. So the first weigh-in was 141.5, but that was with all these clothes on. And then she took it, took that off, Got they got the box out. Um, and she looked shaky. She looked unsure. I know her coach was very frustrated. They were kind of just telling her, like, kind of telling them, like, leave her alone, just let her weigh in. But, you know... We know they can't let them grab the thing. And uh, as you can see, guys, sorry, it's, it's a bit my scrambled, my, my scrambled recollection. It's just it's a long way of saying that this one extreme weight cutting has to be we got to do something about it. This is a bigger issue beyond Aspen Lad. And two, if she really just can't make it, 145 has to be considered. And maybe she's one of the fighters who can give them a reason to keep this division around if they decide to uh, do that whenever Amanda Nunez, you know, no longer um, decides to compete anymore. So I know people are saying there is no division, but 
maybe that's an option if her uh, Aspen Ladd and other fighters have to move up to 145. So really scared for her. Hopefully she's okay. Um, but they, they got to sort some things out. Yeah, Jose, you know, we mentioned Kevin Holland and maybe he was a, a, a recipient of just tremendous timing and a perfect storm. And like everything just kind of came at once for him and everything just landed. Everything just came up Kevin Holland in 2020. No matter what happened, everything just came up Kevin Holland. I feel like with Aspen Ladd, it's just the opposite side of the spectrum. Like timing has never really lined up for her since she got into the UFC. Like all these efforts, the injuries, you know, everything with the weight and, and, and just getting to 135, just getting in the octagon at this point, it's just one of those weird things right now, right? Like, like how can we even describe the bad luck, the bad timing? I mean, not even just all bad luck, but just everything that has happened with her, this whirlwind, this tornado of just, just bad stuff happened to her. I, I don't know what goes on in her fight camp and her personal life and all that stuff too. Cause like, let's not forget, Macy Jason had her entire apartment fall on top of her, and she's still making weight. So if, you know, I, I think it, Aspen, I think AK said it perfectly. This is not her first time struggling to make weight. This is not, this is not what's his, Benil Darius missed weight against, what, against Scott Holtzman? And yeah, that sucked. But then he came back and bounced right back and made weight again and kind of erased that image. Uh, I think anytime a fighter misses weight for the first time and it's like the, they, they, you could tell they really tried to make weight. You give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, maybe the, the cut just, they just mistimed it or they, they, they changed something in their camp or they got hurt or this personal stuff going on. You give them the benefit of the doubt, but this is not the first time this has happened. So I think maybe Aspen needs to either go up because let's not, let, like, let's not, I'm not going to miss horns or anything, but she's not, she's a muscular woman. Like sure, her, her arms are huge, but she's not like cut. She's not like Jermaine Durand to me. She's not like uh, a fighter that like you, she, she's just like skin and bone getting up on the scales. Like you can see all of her muscles on there. Aspen Ladd is a strong woman and it obviously benefits her inside the octagon. But I think she's got to go. She's either got to go up to 145 or change something in her diet and just figure something out in between. Uh, I know she had that really horrendous knee injury uh, like before her scheduled fight against what was it originally Juliana Pena. And then eventually became Sarah McMahon, if I remember correctly. So maybe she's still dealing with that. Maybe she can't do cardio quite uh, like she could to lose all that weight. But this is since this is not the first time she's got to move up. Uh, and this is, if I remember correctly, it was Macy that pulled out of their first fight, right? Yeah, like, she got it. There's an injury. Exactly. So poor timing, poor weight cut. I think As I think I don't think. Unfortunately, I know fight fans aren't the biggest fan of Aspen uh, based off of her handling of her loss to Jermaine Durandamy. I know remember she like kind of files that grievance with the California State Athletic Commission that a lot of I know because anytime we post something about Aspen Lad, that's all anyone talks about in the in the comment section, unfortunately. So uh if I'm Aspen, go up to one forty five, see if I find success. And if I find success, man, I may get a title shot there. If not, maybe I just figure my nutrition situation out or whatever the situation I was going with her, because I don't wanna pretend I know what's going on in her personal life and figure it out from there but right now after seeing her on on scale shaking everything fighting should be the last thing on her mind yeah i mean it, it looks like a move to 145 could be in her future at least for a fight or two and you know hopefully more importantly than anything she's doing okay now she could figure this all out because that was not fun to watch for whatever reason that that led to that but uh last thing before we wrap this up if you missed BTL, if you don't listen to BTL, we'll talk about him here. 
Low-key banger for the card. One fight, one fighter, one storyline. The one under-the-radar piece of business you got your eye on tomorrow, Jose Youngs. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say two for two different reasons. Cowboy Oliveira versus Nico Price, I think is going to be everything that Nico Price, Michelle Pineda wasn't. I don't think there's any world where Cowboy Oliveira and Nico Price is not just chaos inside there. And if it wasn't for the main event, that would be my on my short list for Fight of the Nights. But I'm very curious how Misha Serkinov looks at middleweight. Uh, at one point, Misha Serkinov looked like he was going to be a future title contender at light heavyweight. I know he's uh, one of a uh, AK's countrymen. I don't know exactly where in Canada he's from, but by I, by, by by what he's in Toronto by way of Latvia. By there you go. Latvia. But I, I've I've heard Misha Sir, the comparison to Misha Serkinov to Ovin St. Pru where. He had all of the raw talent in the world to just be a future title contender. Maybe not champion, but in that top three mix. He just needed to go to a gym where he wasn't the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ovin St. Preux was loyal, was so loyal to his team that, like, if Ovin St. Preux went to ATT or AKA or Jackson Wink, like, he could be a world beater. But he was so loyal to what got him to the dance that he just never quite progressed as far as he should have. And I've heard the same things about Misha Serkinov. So I'm, I'm hoping to see a new, maybe like, I, I just want to see, because I was so high on Misha when he came out. I want to see how he performs at 185 because he was never the tallest light heavyweight, but he was never the smallest. Like he looked huge. Like he physically looked big in there. Kind of like, like a Tyron Woodley walking Buckley, like a thick, smaller light heavyweight. And then Jotko, I thought Jotko was going to beat uh, Sean Strickland in their last fight. I've been on the Jocko train for a minute now, and I've selfishly wanted to see him rematch Uriah Hall because every time you interview Christoph Jocko, he just goes, I need to win so I can get that fight back. So I'm curious how both of these men look. I don't know, want to say loser leaves town, but the loser, if they win, if they lose one more after this, it could be a rough. It, it might be hard to uh, convince the UFC brass to give him another shot. So those are the two fights I'm looking forward to. Yes, and of course, Serkinov on the drop to 85. He looked great. He looked big. Oh, on the scale? He looked, fresh. Yeah. He looked, he looked awesome. He looked, he looked shredded. He looked like, like he, man. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, he was, he was pretty, like, ripped at one, at 205, and then cutting down to, like, oh, my, he looked insane. The way insane. Yeah, he looked amazing. Yeah. What's yours, AK? Uh, obviously, I, I'm really looking forward to the final fight of Beshkohea. It's no secret. It's a shame she did miss weight. She missed weight by 2.5 pounds, not the first time. She has missed weight in the UFC, but you know what? I guess she figured this is my last fight. I'm going to live a little. Um, I mean, I think most of us would have preferred if she just made the weight, but who knows? Things happen. Um, so that fight is going through as a catch weight against uh, the up-and-coming uh, Carol Rosa. Rosa? Be Hosa, Hosa, right? Hosa. Yeah. Hosa. Hosa. And... Uh, I, I think it would be a fun fight. I think I think uh, I'm not saying that Pechka has a history of always putting on like barn burners, but she usually puts out a good effort. And I think in her last fight, she is going to kind of leave it all out there. And hopefully, win or lose, we see one last you know uh, victory celebration uh, oh. from uh, from you're, the pit bull. You're talking Man. about future. Bare knuckle fighting championship title contender, oh, yes. Betch Cohen. By, oh, by the way, I've noticed a lot of I I I did it in, in whatever when I wrote it for Betch Cohen as well. Most of us are uh, the outlets are writing her final MMA fight. It feels like all of us are adding that MMA. Hey man, forget as if as if we know. Forget for sure. forget John Jones, Francis Ngannou. The real travesty here is if Paige Van Zandt leaves BKFC, we don't get the fight everyone wants in Paige versus Betch. BKFC. Oh my gosh. 
There's still time. There's still there's still time to fix this. Uh, and the other one, I'll go. Uh, the other day, I was kind of talking about how cool it is that like Jen Eduardo's 43 years old and coming off like a 1200 day layoff. So that's kind of fun. But uh, it's just pure action, man. Malarkey, Devonte Smith. I mean, that's probably a first round. Not the wide receiver, Devonte Smith. Not not the wide receiver, no. Devonte Smith. This is Devonte Smith. Uh, and uh, it's probably not a three round barn runner. Probably someone getting smoked in the first like minute, but. Again, that's uh, something to look forward to as well. So, and I, I wonder if that's the one they'll bump up to the main card. I think that's a good choice, but we don't we don't know yet. I assume they'll still keep a six fight main card. Uh, we don't know which one will replace uh, Lad Chiasan, if any, if any. Yeah, I mean, listen, look, everyone expects me to say Casey O'Neill versus Anthony Shevchenko Do because it. that is one hundred percent the answer. But <laughs> I am not. I'm going to go a little bit outside of the box here. Joe Selecki has won six straight fights. He's 3-0 in the UFC mm-hmm. after a, a dominant performance on the Contender Series. He just beat Jim Miller in a fight that he very comfortably won. And despite winning comfortably, that was by far his toughest fight in a while because he has just run through everybody else. He gets another tough test in Jared Gordon, who looks to have turned things around himself. Two straight wins. He's won three out of four. Had a very good 2020. That win over Chris Fishgold was ridiculous on Fight Island, especially with everything we found out that was going on in his life. Nobody is talking about this fight, and it's a really good matchup at 155. And I love that fight. I think it's a really interesting matchup. Two of the really nice guys in the sport, two guys with uh, very good stories, and two guys who have struggled to get to where they're at uh, for totally different ways and totally different reasons. But I love that matchup. I'm excited. And that's the featured prelim. Maybe they'll give that one the bump. I think it deserves to, to kick off the main card. I like it. But we'll see. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we put a bow on the UFC Vegas 38 preview show. Lots of event coverage coming up tomorrow, including the People's Pre-Fight Show, which as of right now, unless they change the start times, will kick off at 3.30 Eastern. We'll be answering your questions about the card. And we'll have a live post-fight show as well to react to it all, plus all the results, big stories, videos, etc. We'll be right here for your viewing pleasure over at MMAfighting.com. And until then, for Jose, for AK, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for checking out the show, and we will see you tomorrow. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.